Our scripture text for the day is found in John's Gospel, chapter 21, the first 14 verses. And again, we see a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was without an outer garment, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about 100 yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was Jesus. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Christian people are rightly so obsessed with Easter. Even before the New Testament was finished being penned, it was obvious that the Christian community had moved their worship day from the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, to the first day of the week. And we called it the Lord's Day to mark the fact that it was on the Lord's Day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we moved our worship day to the first day of the week. And we know that every Sunday, every Sunday when we worship, we're celebrating a little Easter. And I remind us again today that it was not the discovery of an empty tomb that transformed the disciples and birthed the church. It was the discovery of a living Jesus that transformed the disciples and birthed the church. We're looking again today at another of those post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. According to the chronology of Luke, 
Jesus spent 40 days with his followers between the time of his resurrection and the time of his ascension. And here in this text from John's gospel today, we are looking at one of those appearances that occurred during those 40 days. It's a remarkable story here in John chapter 21. Here in John chapter 21, the story takes place at one of my favorite spots on the globe, on the Sea of Galilee, or as John calls it, the Sea of Tiberias. It's the same lake. It takes place on the Sea of Galilee, and we hear in this text that seven disciples made the decision, following Peter, to go fishing. They were fishermen by trade, and this is what they knew. This is what was natural to them. So when Jesus, at his resurrection, told Mary to tell his followers to go to Galilee, and he would meet them there, they did just that. They went to Galilee, and they did that which was most natural to them. They waited, and they fished. They went back fishing. Here in the text, they fished all night, and they caught nothing. Even to this day on the Sea of Galilee, the nighttime is the best time to fish. It's a little cooler, so the fish are closer to the top of the water. And you can fish at night, catch your fish, and then you can sell the fish fresh the next morning. So here the seven fished all night, and they caught nothing. And as they were coming to shore, about 100 yards off, they saw a stranger and the stranger asked them about their night of fishing and then the stranger told them to cast their net on the right side the starboard side of the boat and something in the hearts of those seven disciples caused them to do what this stranger was saying they cast the net onto the right side of the boat And then they caught so many fish. They caught so many fish that they could not haul the net into the boat. And the text tells us that they caught 153 fish. That's very specific. Not 152, not 154, but 153 fish were caught. St. Jerome in the early days of the church said those 153 fish symbolized one of every species of fish that they knew at that point in Jerome's life. I'm not sure that the 153 fish really symbolized anything, but the 153 number tells us that the disciples, these fishermen, they just simply counted their fish. They counted their fish because they would divide up the fish and then they would sell the fish after they got to shore. And the gospel writer wanted to make sure that we knew it was a great large number of fish that were caught. But when they caught this large number of fish, these 153 large fish, it was at that point, at that moment, that the disciple whom Jesus loved, according to the text, realizes and says to the other disciples, it is the Lord. Peter, the always impulsive Peter, at that point, put on his outer garment. He had taken it off for fishing, but he puts on his outer garment. He jumps into the water. They're about 100 yards off from the shoreline, so I suspect he has to swim a little of the way, and then he wades the rest of the way to get to the shore 
because he believes what John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said. It is the Lord, and he was going to do whatever he, Peter, could do to get to his Lord. He put on that outer garment as he jumped into the water. That's rather strange, and it seems like the backward thing for us to do, but particularly in the Jewish culture, a greeting to welcome someone is a sacred act. So it was out of respect, out of reverence for his risen Lord that he put on his outer garment, he made it through the water, and he got to the shore. And there Jesus The tender, sweet, inviting, gracious Jesus said to Peter and said to those six other disciples with Peter, come and have breakfast. And even though they were bringing this great haul of fish to shore, Jesus already had his fish. Jesus already had his bread and he was cooking breakfast for these disciples. So they had a meal again with Jesus there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. What does this mean for us? I think John chapter 20 and John chapter 21, the last two chapters of John's gospel, are preserved and given to us so that we would know what post-Easter discipleship looks like. And we learn a lot here in this text, in this story, about post-Easter discipleship. When we look at this text, I see a lot of truth in this text, obviously, but I see two great truths in this text that I'd like to share with you today. The first truth I see in this text is that Jesus is making sure that His followers there knew and that we know that Jesus delights in using ordinary people for his purposes here in this world. These were simple fishermen. They made their living fishing. In the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 13, we're even told concerning John and Peter that they were uneducated and ordinary men in the language of the book of Acts. And I'm sure that the same could be said for the rest of the disciples, uneducated, unlettered, and ordinary men. So we see Jesus calling and using ordinary people. Jesus delights in using ordinary people to do extraordinary kingdom work in the world. So all of us who are there in the midst of the ordinary people of life can take great comfort and encouragement in knowing that Jesus Jesus uses ordinary people to do his work. But the second great truth that I see here in this text is perhaps even more significant for us as we think about what it means to live a life of Christian discipleship in this post-Easter reality, and it's this. This text shows us, reminds us, in a powerful way that our ministry, our ministry will be barren and fruitless unless we allow the Lord to guide and bless our efforts. Whenever I read this text 
in the Gospel of John. My mind goes back to something Jesus said in the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, where Jesus, there in the upper room with his disciples on the night of his betrayal, said to them, Without me, you can do nothing. Notice Jesus did not say, without me, you cannot do a lot. Without me, you cannot do significant things. But Jesus said that night there in that upper room to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. Here these fishermen disciples fished all night long and they caught nothing. But then when Jesus showed up, they caught more fish than they could haul into their boat. It's an important thing for us to remember, church, that our efforts will be barren and fruitless, perhaps even futile, unless we allow the Lord to guide us and bless our efforts. Oftentimes in the life of the church, we are more focused on programming, programming our ministry, then we're focused on seeking the presence of the living Christ. Unless Jesus guides us and blesses our efforts, we will come up short. Sometimes we're more focused on programming than the presence of Christ. As congregations, we we need to be purpose-driven. But even more importantly, we need to be presence Based, We need to base who we are and what we do on that grand reality that we are the body of Christ, which means that we are animated and energized by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And it's through that presence at work in us that we can do fruitful ministry for the sake of Jesus Christ. I think that's one of the primary things that this text is teaching us about living a life of discipleship in our post-Easter reality. This text is reminding us that we are called to be fishers of men and fishers of women. Jesus was not the first person in antiquity to use that phrase. In the Greek and the Roman world, many philosophers would tell their students that they should fish for people. And what they meant by that was persuade people. Persuade people to accept the truth. As fishers of men and women, we are called to persuade people to accept and experience the truth of Jesus Christ and to receive the abundant life that's provided for us through the Spirit of the living Christ, the Holy Spirit living within us. Our churches sometimes are very, very busy. The 21st century probably shows the busiest churches Christendom has ever produced, but sometimes I'm not sure that that is a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not necessarily a good thing either. I've often wondered if the Holy Spirit left our churches How would things look differently? And I've often been afraid that perhaps a lot of what we're doing in the life of our churches would just continue even if the Holy Spirit left us. We need 
to make sure that we're doing what Jesus has called us to do. Perhaps during these strange days of the coronavirus, in these days of, of physical distancing, in these days when the church can't gather like we're used to gathering, we might take this time to evaluate. And when we have a chance to go back to normal, maybe we need to decide not to go back to what was normal, but to create a new normal that is more in keeping with what Jesus is calling us to do. Our God is a God of great abundance. In the Gospel of John, Jesus starts his ministry out at the wedding of Cana, at the wedding of Cana in Galilee when he turns the water to wine and he fills six large stone jars with wine. And here at the end, he brings this dramatic catch of fish. Our God is a God of abundance. God is calling us to spiritual success in the life of the church as we do kingdom work. Our God wants to bless us through the presence of Jesus to bless us in the way we do ministry, to bless us in doing his work in the world. We should repent of doing our ministry and decide we want to allow him to do his ministry through us. That's what it means to be a presence-based church unless Jesus is guiding us and blessing our ministry. Much of what we do will be futile. One of my favorite quotations comes from Hudson Taylor a great missionary of the 19th century. He was frequently quoted as saying, God's work done God's way never lacks God's supply. We're called to do God's work, but we've got to do it God's way if we want God's supply. When we do it in the power and the person of Jesus Christ, focused on being fishers of men and women, leading them to the truth of Jesus Christ, and leading them to abundant life in Jesus Christ, then we will find the provision that the living Christ has for us. So friends, this is what it means, or at least part of what it means, to live in this post-Easter reality as we seek to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen.